going to be all right. How are we this morning? I love that the direction of our songs this morning that pointed our hearts towards the faithfulness of God. And because of his faithfulness, now we can be faithful. Thank you, um, my sisters. Thank you so much for leading us in that direction, that, that our faithfulness is a direct relation to his faithfulness to us first. And we have to continue to remember that is that is that this salvation does not depend on our faithfulness. It depends on his faithfulness. And we're going to get into that some today as we as we continue with this with this series that we're talking about called the healthy church. But that it all depends on God's faithfulness first and then our response is in kind. Faithfulness. See, it all depends on his love first. And then our response is in kind, love. It all depends on his compassion and his caring first. And then we respond by what we see because we've been changed. And so we have to realize that it all begins and ends with him. I know we say that a lot and we repeat it and we have the phrases, you know, God is good, ain't he good, ain't he faithful? And we'll say all those things. But the thing that we don't realize is that it all begins with him. And if he didn't start it, it doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, if he didn't start us, we don't exist. See, the scripture tells us that, remember, um, we didn't make ourselves, he made us. That we didn't bring ourselves into being, he brought us into being. And so we, we see this repeated throughout scripture. It's on him. It all begins and ends. It rises and falls with him. And this morning, as we get into this next part of the healthy church, and as we take a journey through the book of Ephesians, we're going to be doing a higher level view and coming down, hitting on some points to do Ephesians in six sessions, six chapters, six sessions. And I already know some of you are like, well, you're going to miss a lot. You sure are. Because Ephesians, you can spend a whole year going through the book of Ephesians bit by bit and learning all the nuggets. But on a Sunday morning, we want to give you that high level as we dig deep at points, but for you to go home and to dig deeper, for you to go home in your weekly and in your daily study for you to get into the word and allow the Lord to speak to your hearts. I pray and hope that this is not the only time you get into God's word. If it is, you are missing on a whole lot. It's like snacking once a week, and that is all your food that you get. Uh, you would not make it long if that's the only time you ate was once a week. And then you only spent X amount of time eating. I'm really praying and hoping that there is some regular digesting of God's word where it's you and him. <clears throat> and he is opening up um, who he is through the scriptures to you. And you are responding to what you read and what you see and what you hear. And so this morning, I want to begin to take you um, um, through Ephesians as we continue the journey. Last week we did, I'm going to save the announcements and all that for after, um, after 
the message after we were led so well in the word of God, I want us to be <clears throat> there where we can continually just move right into that. I'm even going to leave our prayer um, for us at the end as well. Uh, but one of the things that um, that we did last week when we started this healthy church, we showed the church in its early, in its beginning stage and what it what it what it naturally progressed into as they begin to gather as people that now embraced the resurrection and the finished work of Christ. We saw last week in the book of Acts, and we know it says Acts of the Apostles. Many people say, well, maybe it should have been called Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit working in the lives of believers now that they are saved. But the Acts of the Apostles, but it shows the early, the beginning stages of the church. And one of the things we see in chapter 2, <clears throat> after they were empowered by God's Spirit, after they were enabled to move forward and to begin to fulfill what, what, what Christ had commissioned them in both the Gospels, we heard in Matthew, and then in Acts itself, when he told them, you will be my witnesses, but you need to be empowered, we saw them begin to do some things. And as a group, we saw how they responded. Once they responded to the gospel message, we saw last week that they became proclaimers of that gospel message. That was their main goal, was to live out their salvation as they proclaimed it to others who have not yet embraced it. So they were gospel-centered people. But then we also saw that they were devoted, that they were devoted to the doctrine of the apostles what they were teaching, and what they were teaching is what we have as the Word of God in the New Testament. And so they were continuing in what they were learning from them that was coming from God. And so just naturally, they begin to learn about who they are, who God is, and what they should be as a unit. And they were devoted to, <clears throat> to that and then devoted to fellowship. They realized that because they were brought to Christ, that it is communal in its expression. It's individual in that, in that I can't receive Christ for you. You can't receive Christ for me. As a matter of fact, this is not a group project. You can't get credit for what I do. That's why I don't like group projects. Because, you know, typically there is somebody that's been riding on the work of others. And so there is an individual foundation to the gospel. You receive it yourself, but then God puts you in a community to express what's happened inside. And so no one Christian can fully express just alone and by themselves what God had intended to show the world. He intended it in a fellowship. So they've devoted to fellowship and then they were devoted to prayer because that was the communication and the care. And then we saw some things that happened that whatever need was there, they met and that they lived in contentment. And so we see this was the pattern of that early group of believers, those people that had become the church and that we saw the plan of God and work and the kingdom of God is now arriving, although it has not yet fully arrived. It has not fully expressed itself, but we see it and, 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 and we see the basics of it. But then we want to turn the page and to see what does a healthy church look like? 
And we can choose a number of places to look at that and can actually go through some different <clears throat> scriptures in different books to help with that. But I like to stay within the book to help us to get some continuity and some context. And so what we begin to see here is in Ephesians, Paul gives um, one of the best outlines for how the church was brought about, what God has done for us as believers individually, and what, um, how, how he set it up for us even corporately, and as a result, how we should live both as individuals in a communal and corporate environment. And so we're going to take that journey, and you're going to hear from both myself and Elder Wright we're going to teach this in the team as I like to do, and we will walk through these six. And at the end of them, and even during it, what I want you to be able to look at and see is this. Here's what I want you to look at and see. How healthy am I as a believer in Christ? But it doesn't stop there, because if all it is is about just me and my personal relationship, we're missing part of what God has intended once he's brought you into the family. What does it look like for a person who was born into a family, and once they were born into the family, the parent says, you're on your own now. You're your own man. You're your own woman. You're an individual. You're on your we got you into the family. Now go do your thing. And if that sounds crazy, it sounds even more crazy when we come into the body of Christ, into the family of God, and now to think it's just about my personal relationship and that's it. And I, it has no implications on anyone else, and I have no responsibility to anyone else. And that's not what the Bible teaches. And so we're going to take that look, but I want you to ask that question of how healthy am I as an individual, but then how healthy are we as a body? And even more particularly, how healthy are we as a local expression of that body? Because that's how you measure it. And we can measure. God gives us that which will cause us to measure how we're doing. We don't base it on other people or other fellowships. Because if that were the case, we would always find those that are doing it worse than us and compare ourselves to them. Because that's how we are. We're not going to look for the strongest and the best. We're going to look for those that aren't doing it quite like we are so we can feel good about ourselves. Maybe I'll find somebody that's a step above so we have a little bit to reach for, but I'm not trying to make myself feel bad. But if the standard becomes the measurement of Christ, if the standard becomes the measurement of Christ, then I am always measuring myself up against, and we are measuring ourselves up against what God has intended in Christ. Not so that we can feel bad or kind of um, hold our chest up, puffing it out, but so that we can know that we are living out what God intended and that we can reap the benefits and the results of that. And so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole chapter, although I will be going through it um, and some highlights of it. And if you would stand with me just real quick, I want to pray with us and pray for us. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that we have your word. I thank you, Lord, that indeed uh, you have given us, oh Lord, this new life in Christ for those that have trusted you, those, have, uh, those that have come to you, those that have 
received and embraced and believed the gospel of truth. Father, I pray that as we go through this, Lord, that we would measure ourselves, not the person next to us, not the friend we know, not the family member that we can think about, but that we would measure ourselves, Father, individually of how healthy we are as a believer. And then I pray that we would measure, God, how healthy we are in expressing this faith in community. Father, because as we are healthy, then we demonstrate to the world more truly and we demonstrate a clearer picture of who you are and what you want communicated to this world that is lost and dying. I pray that you would help us to focus in this morning, oh God, on what you are saying to us, Lord, and that we would ask ourselves the hard questions and that we would be real, oh Lord. <clears throat> I pray, God, that we would um, not blow it off, oh God, or say, I've heard this before. But I pray that we would take it, oh God, and use it and allow you to work in us through your word. Strengthen us. Open our eyes. Give us clarity. I pray to those today, oh God, that don't know you, Lord, that you would work on their heart, that they would see their need for you. And as a result, come and embrace this glorious gospel truth that Christ came to die for the sins of the world and theirs is included. I pray for any that are discouraged today, whether here in person or watching us remotely, I just pray, God, that the word of God by the spirit of God will encourage them. God would strengthen them, would help them to move forward in these days ahead. Father, I just right now, I just want to pray for our nation. <clears throat> Father, you know what is happening in the hearts that are behind it. Father, in this whole year, what has been going on in this country. Father, and the expression of sin in its various forms throughout this year that has happened. And we've seen it, Lord, in riots in unsettling, we've seen it for this year in anger, in tearing down, in breaking the law, in insurrections, Father, in, 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 in hatred, in revenge, in response, in sinful initiations and thoughts. Father, we've seen it for the year. And I pray, God, that your church would lead the way in demonstrating who you are. Father, I pray that those that are truly yours would step up and step forward and live for you. I pray for your protection, but I pray more for your will. <clears throat> God, that your will would be done in all of this. Father, we pray for those that are still struggling with the results of this pandemic. I pray for your hand of mercy and grace and healing and protection. I pray, God, that indeed that the vaccine that is being rolled out, God, that you would work through it and that you would bring about, God, healing and even an end in your time to this pandemic. But in the meantime, I pray that the church would stand up and be seen as glorious as it is in Christ and that by it we would win many to the faith. Realizing that this is not home, Lord. This is not home. 
But while we are here, we affect it in the way that you have chosen, that we get involved, that we jump in, and that we demonstrate Christ. I pray that from this message today and from those following and from personal study and from time in the word, Lord, that we would grow as followers of Christ, showing the world who you are. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Just real quick as an introduction to Ephesians, some of the words that, some of the phrases that have come up about this book, the crowning, one of the crowning of Paul's writings next to Romans is one of its strongest influences in the New Testament and of Paul's writings. Some have looked at this and have said, like John Calvin, one of his favorite writings of Paul, is that Ephesians deals with, although it speaks quite generally, it deals with so many issues of living out our faith as a believer in this gospel and as a church and what it looks like in community, you see in the Ephesian instructions. We know that this book is divided into two, and you've heard me and others have say it, that, 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 that this book is about, you know, what God has done in Christ um, for our position in him, who we are and how that came about so that we would get an appreciation for what's been done. Now, it's tough when I use that word appreciation because we use it so much. It's been, it's been so overused. When somebody does a little kind gesture, we go, I appreciate that. Thank you. But the appreciation is, in, in this case, is this deep gratitude, is this, is this deep indebtedness of saying, God, I see what you've done. You know, that's like, let's just say, for instance, you know, you were without a car. And someone decided they wanted to help and bless you. And, and, and your appreciation, or I should say you are without transportation. Let me, let's just put it that way. And someone came up and wanted to offer help. And so they decided that they were going to give you some new shoes with thick soles so that you can walk more comfortably. You would go, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's going to help me to walk more comfortably as I go to the bus stop. Well, then someone else would come up and say, well, let me give you something that's a little bit better. I'm going to give you a bicycle so you can, you can not have to walk everywhere. Or I'm going to give you an electric scooter. You don't have to walk anywhere all the time. Greater appreciation and thanks. Someone came up and decided to give you the hoopty that actually works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. You have a greater appreciation because when it's working, I don't have to be on the scooter out in the elements. I'm in the car, however, you know, however difficult it is. But if someone rolled up, giving you your favorite vehicle, totally paid for, insurance included, and gas, and said, here you go. All you need to do is take care of it and maintain it. 
your appreciation rises to the top. See, for some of us, I think as we go through Ephesians, our appreciation for this gospel is like someone gave us a new pair of shoes so that we can walk better because we think God just kind of upped our position a little bit. For some of us, we act like the salvation was, well, it made our life a little bit better. I got that electric scooter. I can get around. But it is not until you see that God gave you the best that you could possibly have and that would make it that on your own, it would never turn out like this, but he gave it to you and he says, keep, maintain, you know, use it for its intended purposes. Your appreciation level increases greatly. And for some of us, not until we see this salvation for what it is, something that we would have never have received or had gotten if it wasn't for this outlandish, ridiculous gift given by God, will we be able to live as God intended? We'll always think God's not given me enough. You just need to give me a little bit more, Lord. Appreciate it, but there's more that you can do. Like what you did, but I can do better. And so this morning, what we want to focus on and see in Ephesians <clears throat> is that what God has given and what God has allowed to come about is for us to appreciate at this great level. <clears throat> and so in chapter one, as we get ready To get in, we read this letter that was written during Paul's Roman imprisonment, probably around AD 61-62. And these are called the prison epistles, and we know the word epistle just means letter. The ones that he wrote there, Colossians including with that as well. And that he was writing to um, not just this church, but others in the region. As a matter of fact, as we read in verse 3, here, um, let's just read verses 1, 2, and then I'm going to get into 3 after that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that you should know is some of the best manuscripts, some of the earliest ones. What do I mean by that? We know that what we're reading was not what Paul wrote by hand. Number one, Paul didn't write in English. We know that. Um, but when he did write, um, what we have is handed down from the original manuscript that was written, that letter that was written, and that there was painstakingly uh, um, um, copying of that. And the culture in which this was copied in had a history of, of, of copying with with, with accurate detail, down to so much that back to the, its, its original manuscripts, the accuracy is like none other of any other documents that we have over time. And so, <clears throat> and so from the best early manuscripts, what they've said in any study Bible that you have will make a footnote, the, 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 the phrase who are in Ephesus, or, or in Ephesus does not appear. So when you're saying that, that's not God's word? No, 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 no. 
understand what they're saying is the original, from, some of our best manuscripts written from the original do not say in Ephesus. Well, were they written to the people in Ephesus? <clears throat> the belief is from the rest of the book and all that is there that it was written to not just the group that Paul in Acts 19 came to come across and taught and developed for the year and a half or so that he was in Ephesus that we see in 19 and 20, but that it was all those house churches that were scattered throughout Ephesus and the region. And so Ephesians is really believed to be this circular letter meant for not just Ephesus, but for that region around it in Asia Minor. Really what some of the early manuscripts actually say, or some of the best, it actually says, <clears throat> to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So does that take away from the meaning of the scripture? No. Why? Because whether they're in Ephesus proper or Ephesus suburban or Ephesus rural, I know that didn't exist back then, but y'all understand it in that way, or, or the next town after Ephesus, it didn't matter. It is to those who are faithful in Christ that this letter was written to in that region of Asia Minor. And, and, and the reason we know that region, because as he goes through the letter, he mentions people like Tychius and others who were also involved with Colossians. And so we know that these were people that were bringing this letter and news about Paul within a region. And so they were making sure that the church there was encouraged. And let me just help you out with church. <clears throat> when we talk about the church at Ephesus, see, we have to understand what church looked like more then than it does now. And so you would think, wow, this is one big mega church, the church at Ephesus. No, but the church at Ephesus, the body of Christ that gathered in Ephesus would have been these smaller house churches because that's all they had to gather. Now, some of the more wealthier folks had larger homes or had larger areas outside of their home in that region where people could gather. And so you had some of those. But for most, for the most part, these churches were small house churches that gathered and fellowships that existed. And so this letter would be read as it went along to some of these different gatherings or as they gathered larger. But this was not the Ephesus megachurch like we think of today. They didn't come in and gather two or 3,000 on a Sunday because there was no capability for that. There was no facility for that. And so what you had is this letter would be read in the different fellowships and gatherings as it went along and it was meant to encourage. And we today get it as instruction for us. <clears throat> and so the letter here addresses the believer and refers to him, I mean, to them, not only individually, but throughout this book, this letter refers to the believer in a corporate and communal environment. And so in essence, this book introduces a series of highly significant images about the church. I want you to hear this, including terms such as, we get here, body, building, temple, bride, new humanity, family, marriage, and so we get these different aspects of the church, but many of them, I mean, of the believer, but many of them 
are putting them in communal settings. And so for us, as we read this, it starts individually. <clears throat> How are you doing in this? Where do you measure up in this? How do you need to improve or to allow the Lord to improve upon you? What part of this is existing in increasing and maturing fashion in your life? And how are you aiding in expressing it in a community environment and fellowship? Those are the questions that we ask ourselves as we go through this. And so <clears throat> key verse for chapter one, key verses is Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. which says the purposes of God in verse 10 as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And what he is saying is that the plan of God and the key here in Ephesians is that God was summing everything up in Christ. Everything in the plan of God from eternity to eternity from when he instituted time, everything is to be summed up in Christ and it is to be expressed in the body of Christ that he had formed and it was already in his mind, the church. And I want us, once we, once we see this and as we see it in greater measure, we get this level of appreciation that causes us to supersede anything that's going on around us. See, what I want us to get is when I see the picture of what God has intended for me as a believer, <clears throat> and then me as a believer, as a part of his church, his, um, the body of Christ, the family of God, what that should do for me as we look at it is cause me to let all these other things fall away in importance and in critical nature <clears throat> so that it doesn't affect who I am as a believer and how I am as the body of Christ. See, the reason the church is so divided today, as they say the church is divided, which to me that's an oxymoron, God's body is not divided, but the reason that we are behaving in a divided fashion is because we are not quite understanding who we are individually, and who we are as a family. We start acting out. We start behaving differently. You know, when you were a kid and, 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 and you were starting to act out and your parents would say, you know, well, look, 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 that's, that's not us. You acting like you don't belong to this family. <clears throat> My mother would say, well, you done lost your mind. You're not even thinking like you've been taught. We don't do that here. We don't say that here. I'll never forget the day. <laughs> I remember this one because that story is told over and over <clears throat> with my siblings. One of my older brother's elementary school um, teachers did something, and my brother came home. He was in fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade, because she was fourth or fifth grade teacher and said to my mom that this teacher had called him this name. Wasn't pleasant at all. Um, and, and, and my mother was shocked. And so she went back and she had taught us. The deal was, if you ever have an issue with the teacher, you tell me because I can deal with it adult to adult. And said, you don't deal with it. Um, if you do, you get in trouble with me, even if I may come to your aid. 
but if you come to me first, I'll deal with it. And so we said, okay, bet, mom. So he came home and he told mom, the teacher called me, uh, and uh, my mother called the assistant principal and had a meeting with the teacher, and she denied it. No, 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 they didn't. And so my mother being the direct woman that she is and yet godly, she says, well, let me help you out. Let me tell you why I know he's telling the truth. And she went into this history of, you know, um, taught my kids in this home not to lie to parents. Yes, they can lie. But she said, but also the word choice that he used, they don't use in my community. She said, in my neighborhood, and then she gave the vernacular. You want to know what she said? Ask me later. And the woman turned red because she knew that she'd been had, that she'd been caught, that she had lied. Why? Because she said, in this family, that word, and in this community, that word is not even used. He wouldn't even know what that word meant. He just knew that what you said was said in a fashion that was derogatory. But when he came home and told me, I knew what that word meant. But in this family, we don't say and do that. And I became the beneficiary of that years later because that woman was so nice to me. I had to tell him, I was like, I didn't know her like that. And my mother's like, I bet you didn't. <laughs> See, but the issue was, for our family, that wasn't a part of it. And that's what we're going to see here, that he is summing all things up in Christ. And if you catch that, and if you get it, if you get it, it's going to change how you act and how you think. So let's read in verse 3. Normally, we would be using the screen, and then we are, just a note, <clears throat> we are changing and updating our technology, and I thank God for both Tabani and Paul and all those that are working with him that have been helping us with this and that, and that we will be getting our new projector up soon, and so you'll be able to see it in person. But those that are online and that are watching us by our live stream are actually seeing it because they can post that. Uh, but 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 we're going to fix that real, real soon. So I'm going to be careful to help you to follow along as we do this. And so this whole issue is starting in chapter three is this whole issue of spiritual blessings and faithful living. And I'm going to put in quotes in him because that phrase in him or a variant of in him is mentioned 11 times in this paragraph from verse 3 through verse 14. It's in him that you find all of this. And what he's saying is that God is doing his thing in Christ. And that's where everything that is happening from eternity past into eternity forward is all in Christ. That's why when other people want to prop up someone else, as being better than Christ, I was like, when you can do what God did in him, then I'll follow your person. But if your person is only dealing with a segment of time and only in their little lifetime and there is not a from eternity past to eternity forward, sit down. Because what we're looking at here is he is saying in him, everything we are and everything we have exists. As a matter of fact, everything around us is in him. 
When we look at the book of Colossians, he said, all things were made by him and for him. And the him is Christ. We've got to understand the preeminence of who God is. We have got to stand, uh, understand the ultimate and the pinnacle of who Christ is and thus what you have as a Christian Christian. And if we miss that, we fall into that trap of something's happening in our world. I'm bent out of shape and I'm, well, be, you know, oh my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? Are you letting the world just fall apart? Oh, God. oh hold on a second. Who are you? Did you forget? Did you forget what he did? It doesn't mean that it, it doesn't hurt and that you may not be confusing, but he's trying to get your attention back. Understand what has been done to get you here and to keep you here. And then it settles you. So verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard it, <clears throat> the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, let me help you. If that sounds like a whole lot, this was actually, when it's originally written, is kind of a eulogy or what's called a baracha. And it is this, it is this one sentence statement of declaration and praise. So this was actually one sentence, 202 words. Now, in today's English, we talk about that is the run-on of all run-ons. But in that culture and that time, this was one statement and phrase, and so the thought is continuous from that all, verse 3, because the Bible was not written in chapter and verse, and we know that. It was broken down like that for our benefit. But we see it that from verse 3 to verse 14 was one sentence. And so the thought is continuous. And here I'm going to break down just <clears throat> what we're looking at in this, in that, in that two big points in this. As we look at the healthy church, spiritual blessings, um, spiritual blessings and living in him. The first one is, is this whole praise of in Christ we have spiritual blessings. And, and boy, this verse is one of those that has been completely misused 
Because when we hear spiritual blessings, we kind of, okay, here's how we say it. In Christ, we have spiritual blessings. Because we negate the spiritual. And what we begin to think of is, oh, I have all these blessings in Christ. And, all, and, and we bring it into this temporary environment and say, God's going to bless me in Christ. Going to bless you? He's telling you what already exists, what you have. And it has nothing to do with the physical. It's not saying that God doesn't physically bless. He does. But this text isn't it to confirm that for you. When he says that, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that because what he has said up of, oh, blessed be the God and Father. He didn't say of us. He said of our Lord Jesus Christ and setting up that, that worth of not only two of the Trinity, but also setting up that God is the initiator of this. The Father is the one that is in all of this and it's in his plan and that he is working it out totally without any variation in Christ. So I've had people that says, I can get with God, but I can't get with Christ. And I would say with them, well, then you can't get with God because the only way God deals with you is through Christ. And if you don't come through Christ, you're not dealing with God. And he makes it real clear. All of what I do, everything of, of, of what I have desired, of what I have planned, of what I will accomplish, everything is in Jesus Christ. And if you got a problem with that, keep walking because you're not with me. And so this, I'm going to pray to God, but not to Jesus. You're not, God's not hearing you. Why would he hear you? When you're going to disregard and disrespect this, let me ask you a question. If you gave one of your children permission to speak for you and permission to represent you, and I know this is not the perfect example because God in Christ, he says that we are one, although we are two distinct persons. So help me out with the example. But if you had a child that you sent to represent you and the person disregarded that child and tried to come to you, what would you do? Oh, 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 you, you, you don't want to talk to my son, but you want to talk to me? Okay, okay, come on over. I'll tell you right now. Man, uh, uh, you don't want to talk to him? Then you don't want to talk to me, bro. I sent him as my representative, but I didn't want to deal with him. Okay, you had that choice. But when you decided you didn't want to deal with him, you didn't want to deal with me. That's what God says for us. And when we talk to people and they want to discount Christ, tell them you can't get started with God unless you come through Christ. He doesn't hear you. He doesn't see you. As a matter of fact, dude, you have no right to be before God. Like a king who you try to come before. Now understand back in that day, today we don't understand that. Back in that day, you couldn't just roll up on the king and say, how you doing, king? If you weren't invited in, you were dead, which is why we even get, and I'm not, I'm not even saying biblical kings, I'm talking about just in that era. That's why in the book of Esther, she was so afraid to go before the king because she wasn't invited. And she was like, hold on, y'all don't like me or something? Because if I show up, 
unasked for, that I'm dead. And she understood that. You didn't just roll up on royalty without having entrance being approved. And so he says that we are given every spiritual blessing. Everything we've received has been in these spiritual blessings. What do you mean everything that we've received? And I'm talking about what you've been given as you have trusted Christ. Well, let's look at what you've been given. <clears throat> let's look at what you've been given. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, verse 3, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, because that's where those blessings are. Those blessings are spiritual, and they have initiated there, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be blameless and holy. First thing that he said to us, man, is this whole issue of election. And I know this messes with some people, but understand this. And, and, and see, we, we think of election as unfair. How God can you choose some and, 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 and not choose some? That, that doesn't make sense. That's not fair. No, 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 no. What's not fair is that anyone was chosen. Understand that, that everyone, everyone has been condemned to sin. Everyone is in a position where they are outside and opposite God. Everyone. And so no one deserves it. And so if he chooses that he wants to pull some out and he wants to honor his name and his character and glorify himself through a group of people, it's his choice to do. See, the problem is we don't think God has ultimate authority and choice. No, 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 God, that's not right. When we say that's not right, what you've just done is you've put yourself at a greater judging standard over God. Let me tell you what's right, God. And instead, what he says, no, 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 let me tell you what's right, because I'm the one that said it. When nothing existed, God had already planned. And again, yes, I know it's hard, and, and, and we may have to do a, a, a further study on how this plays out. But what he says is that, is that in him, in Christ, he chose us. Who's the us? Paul was included in himself. He was now speaking predominantly to Gentile believers. These were non-Jewish believers, people that have come to Christ, but Jews are in view here because we see them mentioned. And so he says to them, listen, in him, you were chosen. And as a matter of fact, the reason if you are truly in Christ, it's because he brought you and he drew you and he proclaimed to you his salvation and he quickened your heart that you could say yes. Now, don't get all beside yourself with why didn't he choose him? You should be floored by the fact that you have been chosen. It. Remember the day when I was invited to come up to one of the luxury suites at a stadium, and the person that given me, I didn't ask, well, how about him? You going you gonna to invite him in too? <laughs> Buddy. Thank you. As I went up and enjoyed myself for that rare time. See, the issue is what he is telling you is what you have 
has been ordered by God. I want you to remember that. What you have has been ordered and ordained by God. And, and you've heard me say this many times before, that choice has nothing to do with who you are. See, but I firmly believe, man, I do. I firmly believe that we think in some fashion or manner it does. See, God knew I would choose him. That's why he chose me. That's what we say. God knew I would choose him. That's why he chose me. It still lies with you. See, God knew I wasn't that bad. Or my mama was a praying woman. And so I know she prayed me in. I've said that before. Nope. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You mean there was nothing? That, nothing. You had zero to do with the choosing. And here's what's good because it all lies in God. Because when a person says, well, that's not fair. Oh, God is still good. That's not right. It sure is. Because who is doing the choosing? The perfect one from all eternity. The one who is the definition of good. Understand, he chose you. If you are in Christ, he chose you. That's the only way you're in Christ. And so he says there that, that he chose before the foundation of the world, but it wasn't for you to walk around and saying, I'm a king's kid, because that's all we do. I'm a king's kid. I, hey, God chose me, man. Wow, God chose me. It was for a purpose and a reason. What does the rest of that verse say? That you will be holy and blameless. See, God chose you to represent him in the world. That's the election. Why? The purpose was so that, so that the world would see you and you're increasing in looking like Christ and they would give God praise and recognize him for who he is. So the choosing was that you would be a representative of the holy and blameless God. That should floor every believer in Christ. He wants me to represent him to this world? Are you kidding me? Do you know me? Do you know my heart? Do you know my little sometimey self? God says, but I, because when they see the, my work in you, they will be in awe because they'll go, you? You represent Jesus? See, I know some of us are like, yeah, me, I'm representing Jesus. No, 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 no. People should go, you? Oh, no, nah, man, you, you crazy. You represent Jesus? God says, yes, because I get the praise. So the blessing is election. The goal of election is holy and blameless living. And see, here's how I know, because he did this back. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, because this is what he did with the nation of Israel. There wasn't anything about them. If you want to go back even further, go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Abraham and his family were idol worshipers. They were not believers in God. They were not kind of pseudo, well, I kind of sort of believe in God. No. And God called Abraham out. He said, you, go. I want you to be, and I'm going to turn you into a nation. 
Abraham was just minding his business one day, and God said, I've chosen you. And so then we get in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For you are a, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh the king. Understand this, he says. And nothing to do with you. I just wanted you. I could have chosen from all the, I love, he says, from all the people, and imagine that, from all the people in this world, God says, I want you. What, me, Lord? No, no. Oh, yeah, because I, no, it has nothing to do with you, homie. I just want you, because I'm going to show the world what I can do when you give yourself to me. And so when you is a collective you, as a body of believers, what God wants to do is to demonstrate to the world who he is when the collective you embraces and appreciates that. Do you see now why division as a church is so moronic? It is so sad. It is so sick. God says, y'all ain't have nothing to do with being the church. I chose you and wanted you to represent me. But now you fighting because you're trying to take sides here on earth over issues that have no eternal matter or is they have they have no eternal determination. None. It's not saying that you don't get involved in helping to bring about justice. You sure do. But God says, you dividing over things that man created or messed up? Do you not realize who you are that I've chosen you, that we don't do that here? That's what I want us to get, boy. Are we a healthy church? God's election for us as people of Christ and those who will come, they come because God has chosen. Why? I don't know why. Sometimes I believe God is really showing off. Sometimes he's really showing off because we're all the same. Because I think sometimes we think we're better than other folk. He says, I'm just showing off in different ways. Okay, he was the drug addict that was all messed up, but you were the self-righteous one that thought that you had it all together. And I had to expose you too so that so we can see everything. See, the issue becomes in him. And then it says that we are the... Uh, spiritual blessing is adoption. That we are, that we have been given adoption as sons. And that means sons and daughters, not just boys. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will. And I love that because if God has a purpose, it is going to be accomplished. And so the election was so that he can adopt. You weren't naturally born into the family, but he brought you in. He adopted you into the family. You are now a part and you have equal standing. Then only that it's redemption because he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, on which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And, and hold on for a second. Do you see these things 
as the blessings that they really are. See, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I take these for granted. I do. The richness of his forgiveness, the lavishness of his grace. Look at the word choices that he uses there. Have you ever been lavished before? Part of it is some of us may have never been lavished on before. We don't know what that is. But if you've been lavish, you don't have to ask, what's being lavished? Oh, you know. When it just keeps coming and it keeps, and you just, what, what? And then you start feeling unworthy. Like, like what, are you, what are you doing? No, 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 no. I, 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 I don't want all that. No, no, no. Lavished, abundance, given. Do we see these as the blessings that are desired? Okay, you couldn't quite pay this week's bill, but his grace is still lavished on you. You're still a part of the family. I didn't get the job that I wanted. Oh, but you're still adopted as a son and daughter, and you represent Christ in the world. God, I am, <clears throat> um, I am being targeted for sin, and this world is coming against me. I know, but look at what I've done to you and for you. See, the issue becomes when we see what God has done, those things that aren't done start to fade more and more. Oh, yes, they hurt. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, just ignore them. No. And some of the issues that we're being faced with now and some of the things that we have to be concerned with now and some of the dangers in our own society and world and some of the ways people are acting and, 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 and some of the injustices, however we are perceived, some of the injustices that are there. Let me ask you again. Did you forget that you were chosen? The forgiveness of sins and then ultimately leading to this plan, and I'm going to have to close here, leading to this plan, what the God in verse 9, he says that making known this mystery, that now he's revealing that what has been the mystery and that here's what it was, is that he's uniting all things in him and that in things in heaven and things in earth are saying two separate, um, two separate realms. He's uniting them. On earth, he's uniting Jews and Gentiles, people that would have never have come together. They would never be reconciled outside of an act of God. Other cultures and other people would never be brought together outside of an act of God. He's uniting things, but he's uniting things in the heavenlies because the powers that be, that when, whenever sin came, had to be conquered, and he is uniting them all under the authority of Christ, that everything in the heavens and on earth are united. That's the mystery that he's now revealing, are now coming up under the authority of Jesus Christ. If we don't see ourselves as a church as powerful, as chosen, and to be united in holiness and blamelessness, we are missing what God wants from us. Yes, we stand up against sin. Yes, we speak up, again, uh, up against it in its various forms. All of them. All of them. No one is exempt, and no sin is exempt. But boy, we better realize where we stand. And here's the issue. He says to us, and I'm just going to end here. He says to us, verse 11, 
In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I love this. And then if that wasn't enough, lastly, in him, you also, when you heard the word, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed. See, what he did and that sealing was a marking. That's what it means. It was a marking. Back from that time when a king sealed something, the mark of that king's signet ring was on it, and it was, a, it, it was a representation that it was mine. And when they seal things, that seal better not have been broken unless you can withstand the force of the one who sealed it. And usually the king and all that he had was behind it. And when God says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit until that day, what's the day? When your salvation is full and is complete, he says when you came to Christ and you came by an act of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, you were marked as mine. And that mark will never be changed. That's why I don't believe it. Okay, I can be a Christian, I'm unchristian. Okay, no, 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 no. You might be a disobedient one for a while, or if you say, well, I came to Christ, but I lived like I won, you may need to check if you actually came to Christ. But the issue is once you are marked and sealed, you're his forever. No one can break the seal because no one can break the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Folks, I went long to say, but look, here, I want you to realize, realize who you are if you are in Christ and what you've been given and let that govern you as you work in this world, individually and corporately as believers. There's no reason for us to be divided. It makes no spiritual sense, which is why I understand it can happen because we see in other where it's where, where we are told to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Yet, Notice he didn't say make it. Because we didn't make it. The unity didn't come on our hand. It came on his. He unified. All he tells us to do is keep it. That's like you being given that brand new shiny car and a person says, just keep the maintenance on it. Just keep it. They come back and cars all janky and you'll be like, dude, like what happened? All I had you to do was just to keep the car. You didn't have to buy it. You didn't have to make it. You just had to keep it. And for many of us with the church, God says, all I'm telling you to do is keep unity. Keep it. How do I keep it? By living out who you are. We may actually have to continue this one next week, but here, this, this whole in Christ, in Christ, the spiritual blessings are in him and they are intended that we would represent him to the world and that we know that we are marked and sealed and nothing can touch it. Yes, yes, you may physically be persecuted for your faith. You may. There are parts of the world where they are. But it changes nothing. You're his. Your destiny is secure. Eternity is set. And God says, just represent me as you get out in this world. And let nothing cause you to not keep the unity. Man. As I look at that, and yes, I'm frustrated with what's happening in our world. I am. I'm even more frustrated with what so-called believers are doing or are not doing. That is even, that, that's more frustrating. But in all my frustration, I better not forget 
that I'm his by an act of his will for a holy and blameless living to be unified to other people who are the same. And because of that, it governs my reactions in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God. <clears throat> Lord, there is so much more on this that <clears throat> can be said. And Lord, we'll be able to say some other things at another time. But God, you have chosen us. God, I don't know why, but you know. And I'm not asking questions as if, as if I want you to undo the choosing. I'm glad you did. And I want to live gratefully as a response to that. And I pray that all of us would want that, Lord. Father, that what you did was amazing. Father, we deserved none of it. We were not, we were unholy and we were not um, blameless, Lord, and we were not praiseworthy. Father, that's what that scripture implies, that we were unholy and that we were filled with blame. And you came along and chose us and said, I'm going to change you so that you can live holy and blameless. Help us to stop negotiating with you, God, for us to live unholy. Father, help us to stop thinking that we have some sort of upper hand or some sort of um, um, point to negotiate with you. We don't. All we can do is say yes and live for you or say no and reject you. Father, yes shows that you have chosen us. Yes shows, God, that we are truly one of yours because the only way we say yes is by your power. Father, and we also know that it doesn't give us an excuse for all are in sin and are under your wrath. Father, I pray today that any that are hearing your word would say yes to you. Father, I don't know who those are you do, but I pray those that you know will say yes, Father, would come. Lord, help us to realize who we are, and that will govern who we are in the world. It will govern how we are in this world. It will govern what we do as a body. In Christ's name, amen. Just real quick, I want to um, give that opportunity. You heard today this whole thing about being in the family of God. And I want to say, you know, if you are hearing this and you are actually thinking, I don't know that I'm in the family, and you are sensing that, whoa, God, I'm really feeling this, 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 this guiltiness over my sin, God is probably working on your heart. And for you to say yes, don't get caught up in did he choose me or not. Are you going to say yes or no? I had a teacher once when we were talking about how does this cover evangelism? He said, evangelize, let everyone know the gospel because you don't know who is chosen. You share it with everyone. But if you're the one that say yes to the gospel, be grateful that you are one of his chosen. And the issue is today you can say yes to the gospel. You can say yes to I am a sinner. Um, I need Christ. And, and I repent of my sins and I believe that Jesus Christ is the only answer for that sin and I accept his work on the cross to make me to be one in the family of God. If that is you today, if that is you today, you can become a follower of Christ. And I urge you to do that. If you do, can you let us know? There's some information if you're watching. 
um, that you can write to us. I would love to hear that from you. But if you're here today, just talk to one of us or talk with someone that you came by. How do I get into this life in Christ and have this confidence and this assurance? If you know Christ today, can I ask you this week to live in the assurance of verses 3 through 14? We just scratched the surface. Can I ask you to go through verses 3 through 14? and the look at God's intent and the force behind it and his will and his purposes. Look at all that he was doing and you're in that. And can I ask you to live out of that this week consciously and see what difference that it makes? Before we leave today, um, as you know, we are gearing up for the February 6th um, distribution of the boxes of love as they're being called or the um, community care boxes. And we're gonna be working, as you know, with the Newcomer School, which is a school over on 34th and High School Road. And that as we work with them and, and, um, and as we get to distribute that we're packing those boxes this Saturday coming up, the 23rd from 10 till noon. Um, and it will be at the Newcomer School. But here's, because of social distancing, and we're doing this in partnership with um, crew here in Indianapolis and the newcomer school, we can only um, take 15 of us. I don't know if we're full yet. We were not when I last checked, but we need 15 people from here that will be willing to help pack those boxes. It will be in their large gym. It will be socially distanced. Everyone will be wearing masks. You will be packing your own box in an assembly line format, but we need 15 people from here. And I would ask you that if you're interested, go out and sign up unless you see that it says it's already full. Then we ask you to consider on February 6th because we will need many more people because the distribution of it will be, um, because this event is actually being done on a number of fronts. Faith Church, who is our sister church, is actually doing it over there in their area. They will have 100 boxes Solid Word will have 100 boxes that we will be distributing, and Newcomer School will have 100 boxes that they will be distributing. And we will be involved between here and Newcomer School because we are the ones that invited them in. And on February 6th, we will need, and Bonnie Strong is actually putting that message out there because she's our coordinator for this. We will need people on the 6th for setup, for distribution, and for breakdown. And I really would ask that one person is not here for all three. That we don't have one group that's doing everything, setup, distribution, breakdown, because at each of the locations here and even at the newcomer school, they're allowing us as an option is that we will have a table for those that want prayer. When they come to get their boxes, they're going to come up. They have to sign off on their name. They get their box. We will have someone that goes back to help them to their car with the box, but we have a station. Do you want us to pray for you? What do you want? And how can we stay in touch with you if you desire that? And that's going to be at every location. And so we want to be able to have that follow-up capability, but we need people to do that. I'm asking that on the sixth then that you prepare yourself to be involved in some way on that. So that, and that will be done between, um, between 11 and two on the 6th of February. So January 23rd, between 10 and 2, Newcomer School, 15 people. February 6th, as many as we can get. 
because we will be distributing 100 boxes here in our location and helping with the one at Newcomer School. And it's an excellent way for us to be able to get into the lives of people. Just as a footnote on every box, we are putting a QR code um, label, thanks to crew here. And when they scan that with their phone or device, it will take them to a gospel presentation actually led through by, I don't know what team he plays for right now, but by NFL player Ben, um, ben Watson is actually taking them through a gospel uh, presentation on that YouTube video um, and ways in which they can connect with someone afterwards with that. And so just, just some opportunities for some things to be done that we can be a part of. Um, with that being said, thank you guys again. Thanks for coming. Um, have a great week. Read through Ephesians on your own. Finish chapter one. You know, let the Lord answer some questions. And if you have any that you want to throw by me, email me through the week. And I'll see if I can help you with some of that. Father, I pray that as we go, we would go in the knowledge of your word, in the knowledge of your love and your compare, I mean, in your compassion for us and in the knowledge of your choosing of us. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. You're dismissed.